0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Faith United Methodist Church. We're so glad that you're here to join us this morning. I'm Melissa Myers, and I'm the pastor here, and it's so good to have you with us. If this is your first time, or your first time in a long time, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. If this isn't your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you as well. We're glad to be able to worship together through the mystery and the connection of God and grace this morning as we are in worship together we will recognize and pray for all of the fathers and father figures in our life As we're also in this series talking about who's who in the Bible um, we're talking about some of the people that you may know about in the Bible or maybe some people that you may not know a whole lot about or maybe even anything at all um, we'll talk about their story. Um, what makes them who they are, and what they have to tell us about our faith today. So this morning, we'll talk about Deborah. As we begin to worship this morning, as we clear our hearts and minds and and listen for the ways that God speaks to us, um, let's join in this worship reflection. When we long for the special effects we think life should offer, it is enough for us that God comes in a soft summer shower. When our hearts are cracked by the drought of doubt, it is enough for us that God opens up the fountains of faith for us. When our senses are deadened by the sales pitches of our culture, it is enough for us that God wraps us in the silence of grace. Welcome to worship. As we celebrate Father's Day today and we recognize those who are fathers and father figures in our life, we give thanks for all that they have given us to make us who we are. And so um, we join in this prayer for our fathers today. For fathers everywhere who have given us life and love, that we may show them respect and love. Holy God, hear this prayer for our fathers. For fathers who have lost a child through death, that their faith may give them hope and their family and friends support and console them. Holy God, hear this prayer for our fathers that mourn. For men who may or may not have had children of their own, but act like a father to someone in need of advice, support, nurturing, and love. Holy God, hear this, our prayer for father figures. For stepfathers who have assumed that role with love and joy, who have loved the children of another as their own and created a new family. Holy God, hear this prayer for stepfathers.
1: For adoptive
0: fathers who have heard the call of God to lovingly step forward for those that need their care. Holy God, hear this prayer for our adoptive fathers. For fathers who have been unable to be a source of strength, who have not responded to the needs of their children and have not sustained their families, holy God, have mercy on absentee fathers. For fathers who struggle with temptation, violence, or addiction, for those who do harm and for those whom they have harmed, holy God, have mercy on fathers that struggle. For new fathers full of hope, for longtime fathers full of wisdom, for the fathers yet to be and fathers soon to be. Holy God, hear our prayer for the fathers of the church. For those that have shaped our lives without claim of family or kinship, for those who have taught us, guided us, shaped us, and molded us into servants of Christ our Lord. Holy God, hear our prayer for the fathers of our faith. God, in your wisdom and love you made all things. Bless all these fathers and father figures that they may be strengthened as Christian fathers. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, their children, honor them in always with a spirit of profound respect. Grant this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Happy Father's Day. In just a few minutes, we'll have the time of the prayers of the people. And so as we prepare to pray together, I'll invite you to join and share your joys, concerns, your prayer requests. You can do that out loud wherever you are in, um, in the quiet space or maybe whispered or maybe just in your head. Or you can share those prayer requests in the comment section below, above, on the side, wherever that is. Now, if you're not comfortable sharing your prayer requests publicly, and yet you'd still like to be added to the prayer list or to be prayed for, you can contact this page personally, um, or you can contact our church office, or um, myself or Pastor Larry, and we'll be happy to make sure that your prayers are included. Now, as we pray together, at the end of the prayer time here at Faith United Methodist Church, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray for our sins and for those who sin against us. I'll invite you to use whatever language is most comfortable and familiar for you. So, what are our prayers? We offer prayers for Joanne Schwant, for Don Simons, for Chuck Hawkins. Mert Green, for Kathy Jurgens, for Marlene Fair, for Katie Kabotsky, for Becky Holtz, for Ruth Olson, for Tammy Salzar, for Pastor Larry Thompson, who had his second eye surgery last week, prayers for his continued recovery um, as that surgery went well. We offer prayers um, for my husband, Stephen's cousin, Matt, uh, Matt Schweinberg, who was just diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer. Uh, So we pray for Matt and for his family. We offer prayers for the family of Don Plock. Don uh, was the pastor of Winnebago and German Valley United Methodist Churches and passed away last week. So we offer prayers for Don's family and friends, and also for these church communities that grieve. We pray for all who are recovering from surgeries and medical procedures, from test results or treatments. We pray for all who grieve. In this summer, we pray for all of those who are traveling or going to vacations or visit family, perhaps after a long time. We pray for safety and for health. We pray for our country, we pray for our world, we pray for peace, we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And all these prayers we pray, holding fast to the promise and the truth that God hears these prayers, and not only does God hear them, but God responds. And so we pray this prayer together from the uh, the General Board of Discipleship. Let us pray. Oh God, sometimes the journey is too much. We can't go on and we complain that we're all alone. Nobody cares, not even you. Our strength is gone and we're ready to give up. In those times when we're consumed with self-pity and convinced there's no hope, send your spirit into our hearts to remind us of your sustaining grace. Strengthen us at your table and by the daily claiming of our baptism, so that we may go confidently on our journeys, carrying out the mission that you have given us. Through Jesus Christ we pray, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation,
1: I'm reading Judges 4, 1 through 10 from the Living Bible. After Ehud's death, the people of Israel again sinned against the Lord. So the Lord let them be conquered by King Jabin of Hazor in Canaan. The commander-in-chief of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth-Hagoam. He had 900 iron chariots and made life unbearable for the Israelis for 20 years. But finally they begged the Lord for help. Israel's leader at that time, the one who was responsible for bringing the people back to God, was Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lep- Lepidoth. She held court at the place now called Deborah's Palm Tree, between Ramah and Bethel, in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israel- Israelites came to her to decide their disputes. One day she summoned Barak, son of Abinadab, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Nephtali, and said to him, the Lord God of Israel has commanded you to mobilize 10,000 men from the tribes of Nephtali and Zebulun. Lead them to Mount Tabor to fight King Jabin's mighty army with all his chariots under General Sisera's command. The Lord says, I will draw them to the Kishon River and you will defeat them there. I'll go, but only if you go with me, Barak said. All right, she replied, I'll go with you, but I'm warning you now that the honor of conquering Sisera will go to a woman instead of you. So she went with him to Kadesh. When Barak summoned the men of Zebulun and Naphtali to mobilize at Kadesh, 10,000 men volunteered, and Deborah marched with them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Well, thank you, as always, to all of those who helped to put our worship service together for Leanne Reidelbaugh, who was our liturgist this morning and who did such a great job with all of those words and names. And I know that y'all were um, reading along or listening to Leanne going, thank goodness I was not the liturgist this morning. But Leanne did a wonderful job. So thank you so much, Leanne um for gary brubaker and our praise team and wesley choir who have helped with all of our music and put things together so beautifully for us thank you we're in the second week of this series talking about who's who in the bible some people on the list in this series are people maybe you know a whole lot about or maybe some that you don't know very much about um or maybe some that you don't know anything about and so uh last week we talked about saul or paul uh, this week, we're talking about Deborah. Next week, we'll talk about Samson. Uh, we'll talk about Mephibosheth, uh, Gideon, and then we'll close the series with Lydia. We'll talk about who they are um, <clears throat> as as human beings. Because um, a lot of times, I think, in the Bible, we can think about folks who are there as um, maybe perfect or... Um, more faithful and yet they were human beings and so we'll talk about them and their imperfections what their stories tell us about them and their faith and also how they influence ours so this morning let's talk about deborah would you pray with me god may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O lord our rock and our redeemer amen <clears throat> well, I don't quite remember the question um, at annual conference that uh, was asked for us to discuss at our tables. It was something along the lines of, um, where do you find hope, or um, what brings you joy about your faith? And um, folks answered, somebody said, oh, the music is where I find joy, and music is where I understand who God is. Someone else said, in community and with um, with uh, other believers, with other folks from the church, or, um, and somebody else said, you know, I, in worship with my family together. Uh, and I thought those are all really great answers. Um, and then it became my turn to answer. And they said, well, where did you find, what do you love the most about your, you know, your understanding of faith? And I thought about it and I said, you know, I really, really love the Bible. Um, I love the Bible because there is so much in there. And it's always interesting and fun to me <laughs> to find some of these stories that maybe we don't know as well, and yet they're part of our story, um, and they're a part of the story of our faith, and so what does it have to say to us? Um, whether that might be how it tells us how to live or how to be, or might give us a caution like, don't do this. Um, but I love reading through the Bible, and I love, I love preaching, and I love reading. Um, I love just learning more about the people there. And I like to think about the Bible or scripture as as a love story. Now, not in the love story like a Nicholas Sparks kind of love story or Romeo and Juliet, um, but like a love story that God has. Um, Throughout the scriptures, we have this story of love that God has for for us uh, and for all of creation. We saw it through creation as God created through love, Uh, We see it in the waters of baptism. And, of course, the Jesus story is full of love. The love that chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's the love of God. And I don't know that we can be reminded enough, God loves you. Now, this God that I love and believe in and I find throughout the scripture um, is, is the same the same throughout all of scripture. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But sometimes when people read through the scriptures, they'll say that it seems like it maybe it's a different God of the Old Testament. And that God is always angry or violent. Um, and that's not untrue. There are certainly many of those stories throughout the Old Testament. Um, And also, there are just as many stories of the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God through the Old Testament, and stories of human beings denying and rejecting that love. And the story of Jesus continues that love story. Um, It's not a new story. It's a continuation of the story of of God. Um, And from Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, and even the post-resurrection stories, we have this story of this God of love. So, I remind myself that often about the scriptures because sometimes when I read, especially the Old Testament, um, although there's it's present in the New Testament as well, um, and there, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with the level of violence. Um, the stories that are told there of uh, wars and battles and... Um, they're, they're difficult to read. And this story that we have for this morning, the story of Deborah, is is also one of those stories. It's a story of violence, of war and battle, and God's seeming affirmation or um, acceptance or even calling into uh, that violence and that war. So I think there's a lot of things to remember. Um I think that a lot of times the the world at that point was very violent now um several years ago um, i was with a group of youth and we were looking at some art um, some medieval art and there were uh, paintings of torture and so forth and um, they're like oh my gosh does that still happen today and i was like oh no we've just become more sophisticated about our violence um just one of those off-the-cuff things that i said and one of them looked at me and said have we Um, And that's not untrue. I mean, I think you could make a really good argument that we haven't learned much. There is still violence, perhaps not as much of the world against world or nation against nation violence. um, And yet it's still very visible and and present. So I think um, to acknowledge first about this passage and about Deborah and her story Um, that there is a lot of violence in this passage and in her story and in many of the stories throughout the scriptures. The book of Judges in particular has a lot of these kind of interesting and quirky and important stories and also very violent stories. Uh, The book of Judges was the time before there was any monarchy. And judges were assigned by God as the ones in charge. The Israelite people wanted a king or a monarchy uh, because everybody else had a king or a monarchy. And God was like, hi, you don't need one. I'm right here. And they're like, yeah, but we want to be like everybody else. Um, And God said, hi, I'm right here. You are not like everybody else. And that's the point. Um, and so the kind of, I guess, compromise or what happened is God appointed these judges as the ones in charge or kind of in that space between monarchy and king and no king. Now, the judges who were appointed or called by God were often military leaders. <clears throat> they were ones who had had either great success um, in battle, or um, they were brave, or they were courageous, or they were expected to lead successfully into battle. Um, And so they were military leaders either leading in battle or protecting the people from another outside uh, outside opponent. So that brings us to Deborah. Now Deborah was appointed as a judge without this military training or experience. In fact, in this passage, she leads um, the troops into battle, and yet there's no mention of her using any weapons or engaging in any combat in particular. So she doesn't use any weapons in this passage and really doesn't have any military training or experience, which was unusual for a judge. Uh, Deborah was described as both a prophet and a judge. So primarily, her role was as a prophet and a judge and not necessarily as a military leader. Which I think, in some ways, seems like God's saying something in that. Of saying, like, maybe there's another way. Maybe there is another way to be or to behave or to act. And so here is this judge, Deborah, who is telling you um, or is here to show you a, a different way or a new way. Now, the passage also tells us that um, she was the wife of Lapidoth. Now, in Hebrew, the word uh, eshet, it means wife of, or it also means woman of. Throughout um, the uh, Proverbs 31, um, the word eshethail is used, which means woman of valor or wife of valor. So, this can be translated either woman of or wife of. So, woman of Lapidoth or wife of Lapidoth. Now, Lapidoth um, is translated to mean fire. And throughout um, the history and throughout scriptures and throughout scholarship, uh, there really hasn't been a person, um, a record of a person named Lapidoth. Um, so whether this was actually a person um, is unclear. Um, there are some who have argued that maybe Barak, um, who was the, the general, um, Barak means lightning, so maybe Barak was her husband. Um, in any case, um, it doesn't appear that Lapadoth was an actual person. So... What this means is saying that Deborah was the wife of Lapidoth, or the woman of Lapidoth, Eshet Lapidoth. Um, It means woman of fire, or fiery woman. So, if it's not talking about her marital status, which likely it seems like it's not, it's talking about who she is as a person. And she is a fiery woman. Now, if you were to call someone a fiery woman. You are probably not going to talk about a fiery woman being someone who is maybe quiet and reserved. Typically, if you're calling someone fiery or spicy or um, on fire, it doesn't mean that they're like, oh, they're just kind of there. Um, It usually means that there's some kind of evidence, maybe some kind of passion, or maybe they are um, vocal, or maybe they're just fiery um and so with deborah there is some strength and courage and fire with her she is clearly a force to be reckoned with i think also you have to remember god called deborah to be in this position and so there is something to deborah of who she is Deborah's story is told in Judges 4, our passage for this morning, um, and then it's also retold in the next chapter in Judges 5. Um, And in Judges 5, it's not told as a story, but more as a song to be sung. Uh, and there are many people who believe that um, the Judges 5, the Song of Deborah, is actually one of the oldest parts of Scripture. Um, it's It could be as early as the 12th century B.C. or um, the 7th century B.C., sometime in between there. So it's one of the oldest pe- pieces of Scripture, and it tells the victory of both Deborah and of Jehovah. Now, maybe Jael is not a name that you've ever heard before, but I think that she's important to the story, too, and a person that we should know who she is. Now, after the defeat of the armor, army, the general Sisera was able to escape. And Jael, who was not an Israelite, um, she was likely a descendant of Moses' father-in-law, Moses being one of the greatest prophets of Israel, um, or the greatest prophet of Israel, and... Um, Uh, Jael was likely a a descendant of Moses' father-in-law's tribe, the Midianites. And her tribe was at peace with the same people that Deborah's army was fighting. So they were getting along, um, and yet she sympathized with the Israelites because she thought that they had been treated harshly and unfairly. And so as Sisera is escaping, she offers Sisera um, safety in her tent and she hid him. She put a rug over him and like, you're going to be fine in here. Um, she may have offered him a little bit more than safety. If you use your imagination, stop. Um, but Sisera willingly and happily goes into this tent. And um, Jael did not, did not offer him safety or security. In fact, um, she drove a tent peg through his skull. Um, then she called Barack and was like, look at what I have done. Um, now everything is fine. Um, and there was peace for 40 years. Um, I think that these two women's stories, Deborah and J.L., are connected to each other. Um, they are both bold and courageous they're both doing things that many people told them they couldn't or shouldn't or even wouldn't um, or don't, and they did. And these two, likely because they were women, were underestimated um, Were underestimated in what they could do and what they would do. But Deborah is a fiery woman, and Jael, um, her name means brave and strength. So these are not women who or people who are going to sit idly by. They were underestimated, and yet they did really great things in the eyes of their community. Um, A few years ago, I think it was, it's coming up on like nine years ago maybe, um, I was in the musical Sound of Music at the Starlight Theater, and I was one of the nuns, I know, you can tell. Um, And uh, those of us who were in the nun chorus, like myself, Um, We joked and we kind of picked our nun name. Um, And so somebody was like, I'm Sister Margarita. And somebody else was like, I'm Sister Pepsi and I'm Sister Mary. Um, And they're like, Melissa, what is your nun name? And I thought about it for a while. um, And I thought, you know, I could pick something like Sister Glitter or Sister Sparkles, which, you know, fits. Uh, But I was like, no, I really want a biblical name. Like I really, I was doing some character development in this. Um, And I said, I want to be Sister JL. And everybody kind of looked around and was like, who in the world is J.L.?" And so um, I told the story of J.L. and Sisera and the tent peg and the tent. And I was like, it's a beautiful, it's a great story, violent story. But I was like, it's this woman who claimed her power and strength. And, you know, it's, it's this really tame story. Um, and uh, uh, somebody said, so what does that have to do with faith? And that's a really good question. Um, and so we talked about the story some more, and then nobody ever wanted to talk to me again because they're like, Sister Jael, I'm just kidding. We get together once a month still to, to have dinner. Um, but this, what does this story have to do about faith, I think is a question that we're all asking, right? It's a good question. So what? So what do we do with the story of Deborah and Jail and and all of it? How do we reconcile all the things in the story of the violence and murder and intrigue, the graphic nature of the story, and how do we talk about the power of the women in the story? Now, Deborah, her name means bee, which, you know, I uh, feel good about that because Melissa also means honeybee, Uh, but Deborah, her name means bee and bees were often used as images of and for the israelites the bee follow a leader um, in i mean in hives it's usually the queen the israelites follow a leader bees collect pollen and nectar um, in and in taking care of their own hive they're also helping so many others how many stories have you heard about saving the bees or protecting the bees um That we still need to do that even today as we have some challenges with the bees. Um, So bees were taking care of themselves and helping so many others in the process. The Israelite people were constantly reminded through the prophets and through their stories, through the things that they remembered in their holidays, that they were blessed to be a blessing to others. They weren't blessed just to keep that to themselves, but to share it with others. And so what if we were like the bees, following the one who leads us, God, helping others, caring for one another? Maybe that's part of what the story and what Deborah tells us. I think it also tells us a lot about courage. I mean, if either of these women had said no to what they were called or asked to do, How different would the story have been? If God was like, hey, Deborah, come and be this judge, and Deborah was like, "Mm, I'm good, no thank you, Um, how different would the story be? Or if Jael didn't invite Sisera into her tent, what would have happened? Would there have been 40 years of peace? What other parts would have been different? What if no one had had the courage to do something risky? Now, when we talk about things that are risky, I think oftentimes we think that there's like two options, and one is really risky, and then there's one that's safe. Um, Or maybe one is really risky, and one was kind of risky, but there's clearly one that is like scary or bad or risky. And the truth is, everything is a risk. It's a risk to do something. It's also a risk to do nothing. There's risk in everything. And you can start to think about those risks and maybe just feel paralyzed. What if I make the wrong decision? What if the risk is just too great? What if I lose everything? What if it's not? What if everything goes well or what if everything goes according to plan? No one really wins when you play the what if games because they are endless and they go in both directions. There is a poem um, that I often like to share with folks when they're asking, like, what do I do? Um, or I can't do that. It's too risky. Um, and its a, I'm not sure who the poem is attributed to, but it says, There is a freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky, and you ask, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? There is risk in everything. there's risk in responding to our calls and there's risk in not we're all called to something now what my call is is different than yours what seems safe to one is a risk to another i mean some of you might be thinking i could not be a pastor and some and i'm i might be thinking i could not be a construction worker or i could not be a teacher Um, What seems like safe to one person might seem risky to another. So to compare and say, oh, I'm not as brave or as courageous as, or I couldn't do that. Maybe you're not called to that. Maybe you're called to something else. What are you called to? What keeps you up at night? What makes you angry? What fills you with hope or joy? What sparks your curiosity? Or maybe who are you called to? Is there a particular group of people that you're called to care for or to encourage or to be amongst? Is it something maybe that you've whispered to someone else? I think I might be called to this and they told you you are out of your mind. Maybe you are. Is that a bad thing to risk and to follow the call that god has is god asking you to do something radical for the sake of the gospel maybe it's to give your time to a mission project like the freeport area church cooperative or something else locally or maybe it's to give your time to something else not so local maybe it's to sell everything that you have and to give it to the poor Maybe it's to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves, even in your own community. Maybe it's to be more committed in your walk with Jesus. Maybe God's calling you to some big risk. And maybe to you it's a risk. And maybe to someone else it's not. And maybe it's scary. And the truth is, God call, God's always calling us, the church, to risk everything. Because what good is safety if there's oppression? If it's not good news for everyone, it's not good news. It takes risk to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But we don't do that alone. In the story, Barack wouldn't go without Deborah because he thought that meant that God would be with them. And so we're reminded that God walks this journey with us. After God calls us to something that might be risky or or hard or scary, God doesn't say, well, my job is over. Instead, God equips us. God goes with us. And sometimes calls others to join us. Like J.L. So maybe you're Deborah, or maybe you're JL, or maybe you're Barack. I hope you're not Sisera. Who are you? And remember that God is with you in this journey. God is with us always. So be courageous in the risks of life. Trust that God does what God promises. And even if things go wrong, grace abounds. Follow what it is that God has called you to do and to be. Be blessed to be a blessing to others. Amen. Well, as we come to our time of offering, we have several avenues for offering. You can mail your offering into the church. Our address is 1440 South Walnut Avenue in Freeport, Illinois. You can drop it off. um, uh, We have a mailbox located outside our front door, which is locked and checked frequently. Um, You can drop it off during our office hours Tuesday through Friday from 9 until 1, or during our in-person worship service on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. or you can use our electronic giving through PayPal or for through electronic transfer as we have collected these gifts and ties and offerings let's sing our doxology together Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for the ways in which you have blessed us. And we offer back to you all that we have and all that we are. May we be like your bees. May we be those who are blessed to be a blessing to others. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, a few announcements that we have for today. Just a reminder of the Sunday school classes that we have going on in person at 10.15 every Sunday morning. For all ages, children, youth, and adults, you are welcome to join us for those. Pastor Larry has uh, the class that he teaches on Monday nights at 7 o'clock or on Thursday mornings at 10.30. And you're welcome to join in at any time. You don't have to uh, come to all of them or have been from the beginning. We have several summer activities that are coming up. Um, This... Uh, June 21st at noon. um, We're having a good old-fashioned cookout for lunch bunch. Cost is $5 per person. Uh, Menu includes brats, hot dogs, chips, desserts, and beverage. Um, All are welcome to attend. Uh, Just contact the church office to sign up or contact Melody Mokros directly. On Thursday, June 23rd at 6 o'clock, we in the Fellowship Hall, we're having messy church. Um, And this is a um, a midweek church experience for all ages. Young, old, couples, families, singles, uh, all are welcome. You are welcome to come. And if you're thinking, I don't want to get messy, you can come too. Now, if you're thinking, I can't wait to get messy, it's not quite that messy in what you're thinking. We'll have some art and some stories, and um, we'll have some time together at 6 o'clock. Uh, so come and join us uh, for, this, for this new experience together. Um, as we uh, continue and close in worship together, let's remember the ways that we're connected to each other and the ways that God calls each of us as we sing together. Mm-hmm. you're just you and that's okay. Be courageous in the risks of life. Trust in God's promises and follow grace. Remember that God created you. God loves you. God is with you always and God blesses you so that you may go and be a blessing to others. Amen.